0: So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi there and welcome back to Jewelry Navigator Podcast. In this week's episode, I visit with Kathleen Cutler, founder of Bespoke Commerce and CEO of Kathleen Cutler Strategy. Kathleen is a former bench jeweler and has worked in a myriad of roles within the jewelry industry. We talk about what jewelry designers, brands, and stores can do to navigate the current climate to merge independent jewelers' efforts between online, location, and connecting with their ideal clients. Kathleen shares 5 simple actions you can take to have a successful holiday sale season to set yourself apart with loyal clients who are happy to provide referrals in return for future jewelry purchases. If you missed the last episodes, last week I shared Anastasia Syme's story and the inspiration behind her dramatic jewelry designs. Be sure you're subscribed to the podcast and watch for upcoming episodes because I have exciting jewelry news to share. And next week's episode will be a first, where I feature a successful jewelry store with its own gem cutter. Thanks so much for joining me and welcome aboard. So why don't you share a little bit about how you got started
1: in jewelry and what your role is now with your consulting business?
2: Sure. Perfect. So um, I'm Kathleen Cutler and I'm a profit expert for high-end jewelry brands. And I know jewelry brands intimately because I was a jewelry designer myself. So I, uh, my husband proposed 10 years ago now, and I got to peek behind an independent jewelry shop owner's studio. And all of a sudden I discovered this whole world and she had a lapidary and she had all of the equipment. And I just fell in love with the jewelry process and seeing something that was handmade come to life. And so I caught the bug the jewelry design bug deeply, and I bought myself an entire silversmithing set. And everything I do, I love to just go all in. So I did that. I was wanted to be an independent jewelry designer myself. Um, ended up working for a woman, so I took took an apprenticeship with Rebecca Brooks Jewelry in um, Northampton, Massachusetts, and just also fell in love with production jewelry. So we stored a lot of antique and estate pieces and we handmade everything for her at that time, one location, and then it went on to expand to two and now three locations where everything was handmade. So I loved being in the studio. I thought I wanted to be a designer, but what I really discovered was I liked to organize artists much more than be the artist myself. Mm-hmm. I had a fantasy that I would be the designer, but really when I would sit on the bench with my colleagues who are true artists and designers, I realized that I wanted to organize their stellar orders and I wanted to actually organize you know, our master jewelers and make sure things were on production. So I really found that instead of being the designer myself, where i could really fit into the industry was supporting designers to get their art into the world and really figure out the systems and strategies to see success mm-hmm. um, so that was i've been in the industry for almost 10 years that was around 10 9 to 10 years ago and then i went on to work retail for an antique and estate job um, antique and estate jewelry shop locally here um, on the seacoast so i'm in the southern main area so i worked for a store here we had five locations um so I supported that the one physical location and then also those other five locations and then I discovered the online sales world so I stepped into a role with the e-com part of that team and we actually in our first year of launching our e-com we ended up doing double what doing the same amount of what two of our physical locations did so we saw a lot of success online And I fell in love. I really love the ability that we have to reach wider audiences. And I also love to really show what it takes because I was behind the scenes of such a successful online business. I know the ins and outs of what it actually takes to sell five-figure, six-figure pieces online. And it's not exactly what people think it will be. So that's exactly what I'm so excited to chat with you about today, as well as your audience.
1: How did you start working with independent designers after your your career with the production with Rebecca Brooks? How did you start branch out from there?
2: Um, it's a great question. After I was so I was working for another local jeweler here in town and part of their e-commerce side of things. And I was tasked with basically, we launched a new website and we had one of those things of, if you build it, they will come kind of mentality that I know a lot of designers I speak with have. And uh, we didn't want to launch. It was a Thursday. We're like, oh my gosh, we'll be too busy over the weekend. We shouldn't launch right away. And we launched to crickets. So we really needed to figure out how to get more people into the store and how to actually populate our online location. And I uh, discovered at that point, Facebook ads and digital marketing, and we had a lot of success right out of the gate with that. And through that experience, I was like, oh my gosh, if if we've had such success here, I bet there are other people who need this same type of work. Mm -hmm. So I launched my own business five years ago as a consultant, and I was more on the digital advertising side of things for e-commerce brands. And in the past year or so, I've really flipped the script on what's working. And that's something you and I have talked about, what works in today's climate, in the modern climate. And I really have found that it's actually not how many people you can get into your store, but what you do once they're there, how your online store feels, how all of your communication feels. And really what I find is that people don't need more clients. They just need to take better care of their existing clients to really see success in today's today's economy, today's economic landscape.
1: To your point of taking care of the customers that you do have now rather than spinning your wheels to develop more, it's a great strategy to build a platform on. So it sounds like you work with clients who have Brick and mortar locations as well as e-commerce.
2: I do, yeah. So I work with um, personal jewelers, so people who do exclusively custom jewelry. So maybe they have, you know, a studio location where they're meeting people by appointment. I work with people who have brick and mortar locations who are trying to crack the online code and know that, as you said, it's more of a, a way to get people to come into their location. And then I do work with highly successful, exclusively online stores that are interestingly enough, as you're saying, often reverting back to having at least some type of showroom or by appointment only where people can meet with them, especially the higher price point that you get. It really requires a face-to-face meeting so people can touch and feel the jewelry, a really intensive video strategy where you're maybe meeting with them on video or you're sending lots of videos. I've had clients sell you know high five figure pieces via video, um, so I think there 's definitely a way to bridge actually having to travel directly to sit in front of the the person you 're going to buy jewelry from um, there 's a lot of video strategy and trust building that can happen you know I think that people who are still have the skill set and are willing to go travel and do trunk shows and see people in person and then translate those in-person sales to online sales, that's a really great way to think about it. You'll always have that customer communication and correspondence. So it's how can you manage it? How can you make sure you're responding just as you would in person when we step into these different online channels and online arenas? Buying jewelry is still quite a technical purchase. Um, you know, I work with lots of people who sell diamonds and diamonds are a hugely technical purchase. They're very shrouded in mystery. So the more you can be a trusted expert and a friend as well, and meet them almost on that peer to peer level, the more likely they are to buy from you. And not only that, refer you because they had such a pleasant and fun experience working
1: with you. Right, right. To your exact point of making people feel comfortable, because that's that's what they want, I hate going into jewelry stores. I, know, I do too, <laughs> and that's terrible. I really should go into more, but I hate it. I think the last mm-hmm. one I went into they completely ignored me.
2: That's what I really find happens online, and it's so interesting. I have a a strategy where we call mining for inbox gold, and I just look through dms with people and emails with people and we try to find the lost threads of where you said you're going to get back to someone with photos or Mm -hmm. you noticed that you know maybe your dm got lost because it's you know it's so hard to manage all these different channels of communication right now so it's not to say that it's uncommon to lose Mm -hmm. the threads but just like that experience you had when you walked into the store and felt ignored that's Mm -hmm. what people are feeling if you don't have A way you're greeting people consistently, following up with people consistently, and really treating your online store just like you would, you know, if you're cultivating a beautiful physical location um, really similarly. And I love to have my clients and you know, when I'm on podcasts like this, have people really think about their online store, just like their physical location. How do you want people to be greeted? How do you want people to feel when they're corresponding with you? Do you have live chat on your site to answer questions and greet people right away? Do you have really easy, you know, I already mentioned having, you know, potentially video as a strategy, but having a prominent phone number is so important so people Mm -hmm. can get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. And then also um, having forms throughout your site or what are often called CTAs or calls to action. So where people are clicking on it and they can submit, they can email you directly. If you do custom work, they can fill out a custom form. That type of thing really starts to populate your online store in a way that matches how you'd hope your kind of most beautiful physical store would look. You can actually replicate that online as well. You and I could travel through jewelry stores and just chat for a whole week on all of this stuff. So what I really want to impart onto jewelers is that they have, they probably have enough customer base as it is, especially if they refocus on who's already purchased from them, especially for this quarter. Mm-hmm. And they have all the skills to be hugely successful online with what they already have, their network, their existing customers. And it's really just How in the next few weeks can we re-engage with those people to get them primed to buy from you again so you can have an awesome Q4? Um, So that's what I really want people to, you know, if there's one thing I want them to get from listening to this episode, it's that you have everything you need. You just need Mm -hmm. to focus on it. You know, I think in the you know, and even we've just done it where we're like, oh, the, your website, these are all the ways to improve and all these different things you can do. And yes, those things are amazing. Like, let's set those goals for 2020. But right. what can we do? You know, we've got a few more months, really heavy buying season right now. And if you can put your head down and focus on what's already in front of you and the gold mine you're currently sitting on, you could have a really fantastic Q4. Perfect. Well, let's dive in. And share some of those tips with us. Yeah, so the first thing I want to talk about is how to identify your clients who are actually ready to buy high end. Okay. And the hint I have is that you already know them. So I think, again, we, we want more. We want more customers. We want more traffic. We want more Instagram followers. But who do you already know? Who are most likely to buy high-end are the people who've already bought from you before. So my action tip for this part of the thing is to actually look through who bought from you last holiday season. Mm-hmm. Perfect. What did they buy? Okay. What do you have that would complement what they've already purchased? What do you, do you know about them? Do they buy gifts for their mother? Do they buy gifts for their girlfriend? Are they buying gifts for their family members, what do you know about that? And start to make a plan about what they might buy this year. So it's really as simple as looking at who has bought from you in the past and playing matchmaker and what might they like in the future. So that's really the first step is understanding, one, who your best clients are, and, you know, again, we always want more and more and more, but the people who've bought from you before are most likely to buy again. So going through, you know, depending on where you keep your customer records, maybe it's, you know, some, maybe you've switched inventory management. So it's going through and looking through potentially old records. Some of my clients go back 10, 15 years in this exercise mm-hmm. of who's bought, you know, maybe they your best clients have bought the most expensive pieces, Maybe they've bought again and again, maybe at your lower end, but they're consistent buyers. And it's really identifying between 10 to 20 people who are kind of the cream of your crop, whatever that looks like, either frequency or order um, value, and crafting a personalized plan for each of those people. And imagine if each of those people walked back into either your physical location or your quote unquote online location and bought from you via more of a digital channel, My guess is you'd have a pretty good Q4 um, if you could recapture all of those buyers
1: again. Right. That's a great idea. So instead of trying to engage a new audience and new clientele, it's a really smart thing to go back and look at who has purchased from you in the past years. Exactly.
2: And it's so retro, like it's kind of one of these things, you know, I'm in the digital space. But it's really retro. It's what, what would your parents have done if you're especially, you know, brick and mortar. A lot of these are third, second generation businesses. What would your parents have done for the holiday season? What would your grandparents have done? They would have known their best clients intimately and started to reach out to them. So we're almost going backwards because I want you to first identify who they are and come up with a plan of something they might like. You know, again, we want to be open to they might be totally into a different thing than you suggest, but starting to cultivate those 10 to 20 relationships with the end in mind. So thinking of a suggestion they might have. But I don't want you to just go and say, hey, buy this thing. Like that's not what we're doing at all in the methodology I teach. I really want it to be human driven and relationship driven. So my second tip is to re-engage with them now with something really personal to them. Mm -hmm. So hyper, hyper about them. You know, I think the millennial, um, the millennial generation gets a bad rap. And I think we can even say this is more of a modern buyer phenomenon or a modern person phenomenon. Mm -hmm. We talk a lot about the me generation, right? Millennials oh, the me generation. They're so self-absorbed. They're just Snapchatting and Instagram story. And it's true. And as a jeweler, you can use that to your advantage. So If you reach out to them now, you know, you and I are recording this in uh, end of September. So if in October, you look at those 10 to 20 people you have identified and see how you can re-engage with them, not around sales, not around buying something from you, but just on a human to human level to connect with each other. So some examples would be, you could just ask them about their last purchase. Hey... You know, hey Sarah, I am so excited you bought the Emerald Cuff last Christmas. I just wanted to check in. Um, have you been wearing it? Can you send a photo? Has it been on any exciting adventures? Um, that type of thing? Or if they bought an engagement ring from you? Hey, Paul, um, it was so fun to work with you over the summer. Did you propose? Do you have photos from the proposal? Or if you know the proposal happened, Hey, Paul um, you know, I'm so excited that Sarah loves her ring. If you want to bring it back in, I offer complimentary cleanings and I we're kind of going into a busy season with the holidays. I'm sure you're going to be showing the ring off. So if you come back in the store, I'd love to clean it for you and just check everything over. I love to see my pieces around every six months. So I'd love to offer that for you. Okay. Um, you know, so if you don't, so those are like two strategies, right? Like just kind of asking about the piece, asking them to come back into your physical location, Then the third thing, and again, this kind of pulls into that me generation, is um, offering to feature them on your social media or your upcoming newsletter. And that's a really great way to highlight that real people are wearing your jewelry. It's a subtle way to offer like social proof that um, people are actually buying your pieces. And it makes your job easier for content creation because you can actually just feature some of your clients and the really cool ways, the cool people they are, but where they're wearing your jewelry and how they're actually wearing your jewelry.
1: I love that idea. That's that's so great because it shows the jewelry in real life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, naturally, they're going to style it themselves, whether they're going to, you know, a ball game or on vacation. That's a great idea.
2: Uh, it's great. And it really allows your customers to be at the forefront. Like what I really want, you know, people listening to think about is that this is service. Like you're really – Trying, like instead of sales, like I think when you own your own business, like a lot of independent jewelry stores, jewelry brand owners or store owners do, sales can kind of go down the list. Like there's so many other things that can, you know, marketing and payroll and all these other things that sales can sometimes be one of the last things that we're, we're thinking about. So when we can really make it about the customer, it just feels so much easier, we're really just reengaging with the customer at this point. So again, we're at that second step, which is thinking through what, um, how to reengage with them before you're asking for a sale, because that feels kind of slimy. And I know that independent jewelers that I work with are so heart driven, like they're so authentic. They really love their jewelry and they really love their customers. So when I say to them, sales, they get a little bit like, oh, use car salesman or Um, They've had really poor experiences walking maybe in the Diamond District in New York City or walking into a jewelry store where they're either paid attention to too much or not at all. Um, So it's really how can we come from a place of service and just Mm -hmm. check in with people throughout the year so that when these holidays come up, it just feels really natural for the next piece of the conversation to be, hey, how are we going to add to your collection?
1: Besides service, we're also offering something to our clients and customers that will bring memories and treasured Mm -hmm. memories, whether it's, you know, an anniversary or a gift or even a woman buying a piece for herself to celebrate, you know, a a career milestone. So just approaching it from that kind of standpoint, too, kind of brings that, takes that edge off.
2: So, you know, my... You know, my advice is to re-engage them throughout the year. I have a, you know, a signature system that we run people through where we're engaging your clients over every three months with a really soft, light touch. Mm -hmm. So I think when you keep in contact with them, and again, imagine, I think of all the lost opportunities jewelers have had with me where my engagement ring, for example, um, if the person who sold my husband the engagement ring had um, reached out to him, I would have, we've been married, we just celebrated our seventh anniversary we would have so many pieces of that particular designer's jewelry um, because he would, he would have been like, Oh my gosh, yes, I will totally buy that. I if she loves it, this will match what she already has. And it's being the hero for, for your clients and really coming, you know, as that way where you're basically a matchmaker, you're knowing their taste and you're helping them navigate what can be a very complicated buying uh, decision. We started talking about this at the very beginning of our conversation um, about how, if you don't have a physical location, how can you get your jewelry in front of people? Because, you know, let's face it, jewelry will be bought online this holiday season.
1: A lot of jewelry will be bought
2: from, like, face-to-face this holiday season. Mm -hmm. So I love to challenge the designers I work with to kind of think outside the box um, for having an in-person event, and it doesn't have to be, you don't have to open up a pop-up shop and have a really elaborate um, store location to, to benefit from having an in-person event. So it could be something like um, at a clothing boutique. You could see if they'd want to do a night where they feature you as a designer and people can come in and meet you and talk to you and, you know, do some of their buying as well. It could be something like a wine store. So if you have a local really upscale wine store, you could see if they wanted to host you and you could just bring some of your pieces, set up a display and have people kind of come and browse and try things on. Mm -hmm. And the same thing, you know, a men's suit shop, like just start to think of where your ideal client is spending time in late November to Mm -hmm. December Mm -hmm. and see if you can set something up, Um, you know, a museum shop, a... You know, do you have anything that kind of comes to mind? I love uh, brain brainstorming this type of type of thing.
1: Oh, um actually, yes, I do. In fact, um I know a jewelry store that just did this. They teamed up with a local bridal salon mm. and they borrowed several of their pieces for their latest photo shoot, so smart.
2: So something yeah. like that. Like, how can you, and again, I feel like, if you're an independent designer who's just in your studio all the time, how can you get out into the community? And again, it's this retro. I, I spend a lot of time with antique and estate jewelry. So I'm always thinking of, or, and, and I love history myself. And it's how would someone in the past generation have done this? How would someone in our grandparents' generation have done this? If they needed to get more business, they mm-hmm. would have gone out into the community. So right. as a person who sells physical goods, It's easy to just be like, oh, I just need to grow my Instagram following and that will be the ticket. But really, what if you just put on some beautiful jewelry and went to a charity event? What if you put on some beautiful jewelry and went to a friend's party? And how can you just be out in your community and talking about what you do? You know, that's kind of the baseline. And then the second thing is setting up some really out of the box collaborations where you could do a trunk show. You know, maybe you do a trunk show at your studio and you invite your best clients in, kind of your your extremely important collectors and celebrate them. That's a really great thing to do. And then also how can you get some new people in and get some enthusiasm? And that's really just thinking of where in your community are people spending time? Is it the country club? Could you go to a black tie event at the country club and offer people to wear your pieces around for a few hours? You know, there's some obvious logistical things that are way too much to cover in this, um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this conversation with some of these ideas, but I love to just encourage people to think, to kind of think like their grandparents would have um, if they wanted to grow their business and they would have just been in the community. Everyone would have known them and known exactly what they do. So I really work with designers to make sure they're not the world's best kept secret. Um, And they are a well-known, well-known face and a well-known brand.
1: Yes. Oh, that's, I love all of those ideas. They're great. And I think we get really comfortable thinking that customers are going to come to us, but mm-hmm. these are all just reminders to get your yourself out there to remind people that you're still here. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly.
2: And even people who've bought from you before—that's that's really what we're doing. I always say we can't sell a secret, and I think a lot of women I work with, um, in independent, you know, independent shop owners. So it's certainly not just not to put a gender on it, but we are often. Um, we like open the door and put our head out and say, Hey, this is for sale. And then we close it. And people need to hear again and again and again and again. And it feels to us so self-centered. It feels so kind of navel gazing and obvious. Um, but we just have to remember the noisy world, the modern buyers living in and they need to hear again and again, what you do, who you work with, how you work, what they can come to you for. Um, and then that's kind of the one-to-many kind of that loud megaphone type of thing. And then I've really found that that personalized communication, having a regular cadence, you keep in touch one-to-one with your, your clients. It's just, there's nothing new. It's client telling. It's what, again, your grandparents, parents would have done if you own, you know, if they were running your business today, they'd be reaching out to their best clients and keeping in touch with them and asking after their dogs and, you know, commemorating, um, Congratulations on uh, graduations and things like that. They were really in woven into the community, and I think people are craving that kind of family jeweler feel right now. Um, they're craving a brand that they can really like deeply identify with and feel really personally connected with.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, I think so too. Um, I think it's a great environment to to nurture that kind mm-hmm. of those kind of relationships. Yeah. And it's really
2: fun too, because it does nurturing for you too. Like for the, for the designers who start to do this work, they, they fall a little bit back more in love with their brand and their customers. And they, it doesn't feel like just a numbers game of, oh my gosh, I just need, if I could just hit 10,000 followers on Instagram, my business would be made. It won't be (laughs) like, I'm here to tell you, I stand behind the businesses. I get to peek behind the scenes of lots of really large businesses and, um, It's really just about the personal connection and how you're moving the sales along and how the person feels through that sales process that makes them either buy or come back again and again and bring their friends.
1: Right, right. It's really nice to hear you say what you just said. It's not about having 10,000 Instagram followers because I think in the past few years, we all have gotten on that treadmill of, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I don't have enough followers. And like the sky is going to fall if you don't line all of your social media following up. And we're forgetting that the whole reason for the social media is to engage with our clients. So it brings it back down to earth for us. And that allows everybody just to take a big deep breath (laughs) and take a look. And like you said, fall in love with your brand again and just... Dig into the relationships that you have and grow with them and from them. It's a hundred, it's
2: a hundred percent true. And it's really, I do like, that's exactly what I want people to do. I want people to take a big, big breath, especially at this time of year to know mm-hmm. that they have enough in front of them. Like if a lot of the designers I work with this this time of year, they got, you know, 50 to a hundred fairly big orders, they'd be maxed out. That would be the top of what they could handle. Um, so it's, you just need those few really big fans who refer you and buy again and again and really become your collectors. And, you know, it's not to say we don't need social media and we always need, you know, kind of new, fresh people coming into our world. But if, if as someone buys from you, they're forgotten, they feel that like they can kind of feel if you've paid a lot of attention to them through the sales process. And then once they've bought and purchased from you, that nothing else happens. People can mm-hmm. feel, feel what that feels like and they can see that, oh, this was just a sales process and now I'm just a number to them.
1: Mm-hmm. So if
2: you can really, I think this is the way to stand out and you can't see me, I'm air quoting in the online space, is to really take beautiful care of your clients, actively clientele with them, make suggestions, feature them on social media, you know, send them little gifts, just to be a really good friend and then the trusted expert too. I think to have that relationship just, just will make a big difference and give you that breathe life back into your brand and remember why you're doing it. You know, as you said, you're celebrating milestones, you're celebrating commemorative pieces, you're celebrating love and engagements and, you know, people buy jewelry for a myriad of reasons. And it's easy to just be, Oh, I just need, if I could just get 5,000 more Instagram followers. Um, but there are real people on the other end. They're really people liking your pages. And I think it's easy to just see some of these metrics and get really into vanity metrics and forget that they're real people on the other side of things.
1: Yes, right. Exactly. Well, I'm so happy that you reminded us all of So
2: those are the three main points that I really want people to know is how can you know exactly who your best customers are and you probably already know them. So really making that list of your top 10 to 20 people and you can go back. So go back through all of your things to to really see who those people are and re-engage with them now. So instead of, you know, saying, hey, I think you might like this piece, which I think someone could respond well to, but if you re-engage with them now, they'll feel like you've been thinking about them, paying attention to them. And then um, plan for something in person. So it can be out of the box. You could invite your, you know, You can invite people to your studios for like a VIP celebration and have wine and some of your jewelry on display and just really have a real celebratory feeling or link up with something in your community, be it a wine store, high-end clothing boutique, men's store, um, a bridal store. Where are your ideal clients really spending time in that late November to December time period? And then do I have have time for, I have two more tips.
1: You can squeeze in two more. That would be great. Perfect.
2: So this kind of plays into the first thing we talked about. So we, when we are de- de- kind of designing our ideal system, right? we have our top 10 to 20 people and we've started to think about what they would like. And now I'd love for you to expand this. So think about who bought last December and what did they buy? Is there something new in your collection you can start to introduce to them? And this can also influence your, um, your strategy for social. So you can you know, start to think about Top gifts. And so you can start to play. I like to call it Santa's Helper, mm-hmm. um, where you maybe are reaching out to some of your female con- people who you know love your stuff, but maybe haven't bought yet, and seeing if they have a little bit of a wish list that then you can play matchmaker with and reach out to their partner or spouse or parent and start to match some of these dreams with the physical pieces. So it's getting creative to. Figure out if it's either reaching out to the person who bought and making some suggestions or reaching out to some of the people who've been kind of in your world and maybe have, you know, a little bit of a wish list and Mm -hmm. you can start to get some of those links or get some of those ideas. And, you know, and again, there's ways you can automate this. And I've worked behind the scenes of some really big brands where everything's automated because they get 500 orders a day. And at that level, you have to automate it all. But when you're just getting started out and you really can intimately know your clientele, this can be done personally. You could have a list of, okay, I sold 50 pieces in the last holiday season. Let me reach out to each of those people and see how I can serve them this year, how I could make their Christmas easier, gift wrap it, deliver things, meet them in coffee shops. What do they need to have a really beautiful gift-giving experience?
1: Nice. I like that. And then the
2: last tip is um, look at also who bought from you last minute last year. So you know, I like many of my clients. Um, I worked many a Christmas uh, behind a sales counter. Uh huh. And you know, I always joke: Christmas Eve, you could sell anything. Like <laughs> you could sell sets of things, you could sell rings, you could just make so many sales in that crunch period. So look at your numbers, go back to last holiday season and see if there's someone who sticks out to you who did buy last minute. And again, see if you can reach out to them to get them a little bit more proactive or see if you, you know, if you would like to just, if you live in a downtown area, hey, let me just bring a few pieces and we'll meet for lunch. Let me just um, pop over to your office after work with a few pieces. It's how can you, and again, like what I teach my clients is how can we get you to be a really high end brand? Mm -hmm. and get your prices up so you can do these types of things for your clients i think if you're just kind of focused on margins and really just squeezing by it's really difficult to do this extra level of customer service Mm -hmm. but if you can position yourself as this really kind of premium type brand who will go out of their way to you know meet someone for lunch or bring a few pieces by the office or hey i'll send you you know a lot of the designers i work with will do things on spec for wholesale so hey i'll send you a pick box you know if you put your credit card on file with me, I'll send you a few pieces and you choose which you like best and then just send the rest back.
1: Mm -hmm, So it's
2: mm -hmm. really reverse engineering who those last minute buyers were last year and seeing if you can help them (laughs) to buy a little bit earlier this year, but really understand what's underneath a buying decision like that is they've just run out of time. They didn't think about this. So how can you support them and like facilitate? And again, that's that service piece. How can you be, make them the hero for whoever they're buying the jewelry for and really just um, like almost facilitate and match make some of these, these pieces. Cause I know, you know, the designers I work with, they love their jewelry. Um, mm-hmm. They love it in their studio. They love to see it, but they'd much rather have it be worn in happy, right. happy places. Right. So it's right. really, how can you like, you know, I know the independent jeweler wears so many different hats. But how can they put on the hat of like matchmaker this holiday season and just look for opportunities of making the person who's buying this gift, it make it so easy and seamless. And so they really can give give the gift that they're hoping to this holiday season.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are all wonderful suggestions and really easy to to use. I think very comfortable and um, any one of them a jeweler or designer can pick up on them and start using, you know, right away and get started, mm-hmm. get started now.
2: Exactly. And, you know, I think there's a big t- thing too, like to to zoom out and think of 2020, like what, what, how can we make your, uh, some of the jewelry stores, I've worked with Q1s actually sometimes better than Q4. Like Q1 is this amazing opportunity where <laughs> for a variety of reasons, you know, I think sometimes, Uh, women didn't get what they wanted so they Mm -hmm. feel like they now have permission to go get something beautiful for themselves so I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of self-gifting going on in Q1 Um, I think there's a lot of people who just didn't like what they got so there's some returns and then you know and you might get this someone might the gift might not have landed and you might accept a return but that means for most designers store credit so now you get to work with someone to find what they truly actually want so that's an opportunity for Q1 But I really want the designers and the jewelry shop owners who are listening to this to think about how can you set this up as something you're regularly doing. Like maybe it's Monday mornings, you see who bought over the weekend or who bought last week, and you're just sending a quick note. Hey, do you love it? Does it fit? Send me a picture when you get a chance. I'd love to Mm -hmm. see it. Yes. And then, you know, more formally, at six weeks or eight weeks, you know, two months after the purchase, hey, I'd love to feature you on our social media. Um, Can you send me a photo? Can I ask you a few questions? Can we get on a quick video chat? I'd love to record this. And so that becomes information for your content. Um, It becomes social proof on your website, which is so important. Um, Mm -hmm. Again, it's just people are really buying your jewelry. Um, Other than just beautiful lifestyle model shots, you know, it's real people wearing your pieces. Um, You know, every three months, it's just reaching out with some like something that feels really light and not salesy. I think there's an element of soft selling and upselling that can be woven into it, but really just on a one-to-one level, reaching out to your best clients and making sure you're top of mind, I think is really going to be the way to continue to sell at this high end and really capture the luxury client.
1: Wow, well, we packed a lot in in a pretty short amount of time. <laughs> I really thank you for being a guest today. So I'm excited to share your tips and your ideas. And I know a lot of people who listen to the podcast are going to be able to use it, use one or all of these tips. So thank you so much, Kathleen. You've got it.
2: And I really just want, like, there's so much noise around marketing, and I think that the strategies are amazing, and building your following is amazing. I just think we always need to look at what we're doing. And really, I think the luxury consumer is enjoying the human connection, especially in the technology space. So when we get online, it's just really remembering that there are real people on the other end. And it's how can you connect with them deeply? How can you really, how can people feel seen online? Mm-hmm. And how can you have simple strategies? You know, I know the, the designers, especially this time of year, have so many, their to-do lists are miles long. Um, they're waking up in the night with cold sweats about how long their to-do lists are. So yeah. my goal is not to add to that, but to really just help you simplify. My hope is a big cash infusion by implying these tips. Mm-hmm. That don't require a long lead time. They really are just who who bought from you in the past. How can you re-engage with them in a personal way? And then how can you just facilitate the sale? Like how can you see what is is they need and help them get get the jewelry into their hands and then into their loved ones hands so everyone can have you know just a really beautiful holiday season. I think sometimes we it just feels like we've kind of focused on more is more and I think sometimes we lose sight about okay, actually quality relationships who buy from you quite a bit and you get to know their tastes. That's, I think, why people start these jewelry brands and, and really stepping back into that.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, where can people find you if they want to reach out to get more information about what you do? Yeah, yeah. so um,
2: I'm at KathleenCutler.com and what you can do there is I have live chat, so you can reach me right there on live chat. Okay. And you can also, I have an ebook. So I have an ebook of ways to deeply connect with a modern buyer. And if you enter in your information there, you'll receive that ebook. It includes just some of these tips fleshed out a little bit more. And if, um, as a special offer for for your listeners, and maybe we can link this in your show notes, I'd love to offer, I have some scripts. So I have some exact scripts okay. of how to re-engage with your clients, how to, um, and create this kind of where you can start to set reminders to send these piece, these emails out, so it doesn't fall by the wayside. Of oh, I need to do this, but you're actually actively clienteling and keeping in touch with your best customers because it will it just sets you apart in in the sea of sameness. If you can be a real human, um, it can really set you apart. So again, KathleenCutler.com. You can live chat me, and I will also send um, you over a link that you can attach down in the show notes.
1: Okay, great. Thank you so much, Kathleen. It was really a pleasure getting to know you a little bit more. And I really appreciate you sharing all of your, your wisdom and insight, especially this time of year. So thank you so much. You've got
2: it. And um, I hope everyone's holidays go well and their jewelry, the jewelry flies out the door and, you know, everyone's bench, benches are beautiful and everyone Me gets too. a break after Me the holidays too. as well.
0: I loved visiting with Kathleen. She has such a great energy and is so generous with her knowledge and her experience to help independent designers forge ahead, find their ideal clients and keep them. If you want more information, be sure you visit the webpage for this episode. And I also want to mention that I have set up a new page for the podcast just for the podcast there's an actual player that you can click and listen to the most current episode as well as a total of the most 10 recent jewelry navigator podcast episodes so be sure to visit that that's on jewelrynavigator.com and click on jewelry podcast Thanks so much for joining me today and be sure to tune in next week when my guest, it's a surprise, but if you watch my Instagram feed and Facebook posts, you'll get a clue to who this is. I'm really excited to share his story. Thanks so much. Cross check your sparkle. Talk to you next week. Bye bye.